And welcome to This Life Matters. You're in here with Drew and Gigi. I said it backwards. Please don't hurt me. It's Gigi and Drew. You can say it however you want it. We're in This Life Matters recording today, and this is Gigi and Drew. So although I can say it however I want to, it can be corrected. It can be corrected. Hey, listen, what are we going to talk about today? Well, before we talk about what we're going to talk about, I have to ask you a question. Oh, gosh. Well, no, it's an easy question. Oh. It's an easy question. Okay. For you. Okay. Okay. So, and I want, and I don't want you to be biased. Okay. How do you honestly feel removing all political affiliations? How do you honestly feel about Donald Trump's statement this past weekend? Um, from a mother, from the standpoint of a, being a mother, well, that's or a biased. Wife, uh, well, I'm, a female. Yeah. I was um, truly amazed at the um, base behavior of someone making those statements, and I was uh, embarrassed that um, children could be watching that video that was played on the television, and uh, I would want to spank my son if he said something like that, and I would want to not be associated with anybody that talks like that about women. That's how I really feel. Is that, yeah. is that clear enough? <laughs> yeah, no. And you know why I asked that question is because I do understand that like, that's such a, you know, like, that's one of the things that's in the news right now. It's grabbing a lot of people's attention. And I was listening to something coming in where someone said, well, they believe that it's a lot of fake outrage on both parts. You know, the Republicans that are walking away from him, it's fake outrage. So I don't they think they're going to fake outrage. I don't think they're going to walk away. I think that, you know, now they're going to just say, I mean, why would they be shocked right. that that came out? They should not be shocked that that was said because that's what he's been saying all along. So why now are they shocked enough that they'd want to walk away? I don't think they're going to walk away or they would have already done so. So now they're going to backtrack and say, well, he was just, well, a 59-year-old man needs to know better than to say things like that. Anyway, at some point, you know, maybe a 20-year-old would say it or a 25-year-old, but a 59-year-old man, that is embarrassing. I'm embarrassed for him that he could say that uh, out loud. Is it a money thing? You think he's he feels comfortable saying that because he's got money? Uh, no, I just think that's his character. That's just part of his character. Yeah. And I think that's that's you know it's crazy because he he does for a lot of individuals he represents a portion of America that we don't get a chance to see. You know, so it's almost as though he he's misrepresenting people with wealth. In general, <clears throat> yeah. you know he's misrepresenting his party. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> maybe. Well, I don't know. I mean, it depends if if people are standing by him. Yeah. Um, clearly, I, I'm more concerned with a lack of policy. Um, you know, people make mistakes, and he's made plenty of them. And uh, the other party, people in that party, have made mistakes. People are just people, and and people make mistakes. But, um, you know, always before there's been like a higher standard, at least 
that you present to the public and um, I don't mean seen presidential, but it is the highest office in the nation and there needs to be a civility and that we've discussed this on the show before that the lack of civility in our country is appalling. Right. And you know how I think it started. Yes. Tell people how you, do you remember? I I was going to blame Donald Trump. (laughs) No, it's when men started wearing baseball hats inside. That's remember. Yeah, I I do remember that. That's been a long time ago that that happened and that that started happening. Yes. And it's all flooding back to me. Yeah. Because I remember the awkward moment when I was sitting at your house with my hat on. And I realized I need to take this off, but I can't be blatant about it. I have to sneak and take sneak this off. into taking your hat off <laughs> inside, but in restaurants and all that. Just the casualness, I call it familiarity, is just rampant, and that is just a huge symbol of it right now. That it's even gone into this. For instance, the debate last night. That wasn't a debate. That's not how we debate in in civil society that's not a debate and it was just defending and all that so no it made no there was no point to that whole debate last night i watched every second of it there was no point because it wasn't a real debate and i don't even think there should be another one actually I mean, you know, and one of the reasons why... I I can't even say what I think it was on the radio. I can't say what I think about it. it, it, Well, you could. I mean, we're podcasters, but... Yeah. Well, it starts with an S and it ends with a show. So (laughs) that's what I think about it. Uh, So, you know, I'll be glad when it's over. That's all I can say. I'll be glad when it's over. And we don't have to hear all this anymore. I think one of the... The, the problems with this is, depending on how the course of, you know, how it goes, we may have to hear this for much for a lot longer than well, we want to. Well, that's true, yeah. because we're going to be hearing it on uh, late night TV. That's the only place that it's funny, is on late night TV shows. That's where, you know, it's funny. Yeah. And, but uh, I got a text last night from one of my daughters, and it said, uh, listening to the TV tonight, and... I'm sickened. That's what she said. I'm sickened. Yeah. I think it's... it's and well, she's not an old lady like me. Yeah. And I, she was sickened. I think a lot of people are starting to wake up to that idea. I think that's why it's important. And that's why here we always encourage you to still go out and vote. Because I think elections like this, presidential elections of this nature, make individuals say, I don't want either one. And maybe they just throw the whole baby out with the bath water. People can do that. I don't have that opinion. I have a favorite that I've always had. But, you know, it's the local elections and it's the state elections and the the U.S. elections that are going to actually make a difference in people's lives. Presidential candidates can say, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that and I'm going to, you know, kick the hell out of ISIS or I'm going to do whatever they're going to say, they can't do that by themselves. And that's where uh, people get disillusioned with the president, the office of the president. They can't. We have a Congress. We have had a do-nothing Congress in the United States now for years. 
nothing gets done. And in Oklahoma, we've definitely had a do-nothing legislature, which I hope people will vote, and I hope they will make the clean sweep and bring in people that will actually do something because nothing's been done in our state and you know I'm the government relations chair for organization so I'm really heavily involved in it and it's it's I'm just as disgusted statewide as nationally we haven't done anything there's been divisiveness in Congress and they don't only a few people like to as they say cross the aisle the rest of them don't like to the uh, the the party the party the party that's all they want to talk about is the party well you know that doesn't work now right. nothing's getting done so there's my little dog tribe aren't you glad you brought that topic up <laughs> yeah I am <laughs> you know the the debate was on and I didn't you know I didn't watch it but my son watched every moment and he runs in and out of my room oh my god he said uh-huh. this or she said that and yeah. he's he's excited by it me I was watching Netflix. And so it's not that I'm turning away from it. It's just, it's, to me, it's just kind of like, yeah. Well, we've already heard it. Yeah. We've already heard every single thing that was said. Yeah. And so, yeah, I don't I, see the point. Yeah, I had bigger fish to fry. You know, like, you know. What were you watching on Netflix? I'm trying to figure out why individuals are saying that Luke Cage is racist. Who is Luke Cage? So Luke Cage is a Marvel comic uh, hero. And Netflix did a Luke Cage, you know, did, did the show. And so he's an African-American hero. Okay. And there's been a series of tweets and everyone out there is just saying, hey, this is, this, this is too black. Like they- It's too black. Yeah, he's a black superhero who's saving Harlem. And people are complaining that there's no white characters. Oh, it, okay. Yeah. Well, um, <laughs> Welcome I don't to, get that. But. I, I can sit down with them and tell them, okay, so now you understand how I feel when I watch Spider-Man, Superman, Batman, uh, uh-huh. Iron Man, The Avengers, Captain America. You know, I can just and go almost down every <laughs> television show and movie. Period. Yes, yeah. you know, and there's things that have to exist that are called black television, or you know, I go to a black play. Everything that I I do is segregated, or I have to, you know, like. There's things that I do that are unique to my culture, and you can say, yeah, this is a cultural experience. When you put a title like cultural experience on something, that means you're invited in to experience this culture. But when you put labels on things such as that's black, that kind of almost sets the line that says you don't want to or that no one else is invited into it, I guess. Oh, that you so, could be an observer, but that you couldn't actually really participate. So, well, yeah, like, so for example, People would take something like the color purple, right? Okay. And they would say, that's a cultural experience to read the book, to watch the play, the stage play, or watch the movie. You're being welcomed into this cultural experience. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's deemed that way. On the flip end, there's certain things that may not even necessarily represent, it doesn't represent us as a people, but it's considered to be maybe a black piece of uh, fiction or a black piece of literary work. Mm-hmm. And it's mainly targeted to only us. It's not given a, it's not given the title of being, uh, you know, something of our culture. Okay, like what do you mean? Uh, you mean so, like the color purple? Cause I don't think that was specifically for 
that's African Americans. That's what I'm saying. So it okay. has this title on it that it's culturally accepted. Oh, I see. Welcome into this cultural view of African American life. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And the struggles that they had during this time frame. Mm-hmm. Where there's other movies that, let's just say, uh, Nat Turner, Birth of a Nation. Okay. Not necessarily being deemed as the type of cinema that is for everyone. Okay. Uh, that not everyone should go see. It's being deemed or being criticized as being a movie specifically for blacks. Well, you know, I thought I, some movie started this weekend and I thought, okay, that's one of the ones I wanted to see. Yeah. And then based on the, uh, but on the previews of it, um, that's not the reason I'm not sure that I want to see it. It's the previews and I'm not sure that I personally uh, want the violence right. in my life just to see it. I mean, I already know what happened. I've already seen all that. And I think it's a great story. And I'm glad that, that he made the movie. I just personally, right now, just at this moment in time, for me personally, I don't know that I want to experience that. It just, it's so uh, powerful and it's so distressing. And this time of year for me, uh there's a couple of times of year coming up to november and coming up to may that i notice myself i don't want to expose myself to some things like that just personally right. i it, it it's too maybe too emotional for me right now right. and that's the reason i've now i may want to see it later yeah so at some point you will you at will some take point, it in. i yeah. probably will take it in but right now and i think that's important for people to know about themselves you know what you can and cannot um personally uh endure not endure i don't mean that but on sometimes it is endure but expose yourself to because of the effects that it might have on you and um do you, you know, do you really yeah. want to do that right now? Do you yeah. think that that's one of the reasons why we, as a as a as a country, tend to shy away from true uh, ethnic, you know, talk, uh, talks? Like we really shy away from race relation talks. You know, I I don't know about that, but I do know because that it's difficult to deal with. I do know though that. I'm an old white woman and you're a young black man and we've been sitting here doing this for over four years and I think that's the whole key to it. I don't think it's talking about it. I think it's doing something. Being, yeah. Being, making friends, whatever the cultures are. uh, I think that, uh, you know, people need to travel more. They need to expose themselves to people all over the world. And we've talked about this before, but uh and off off the air we've talked about this today even that uh all this race relation talk really um there's always been divides in people and you know um well even universities i mean come on if you looked at red and white and black and orange it's almost like they hate each other right osu OU. and people are like that we choose a group we choose a club we choose it's all like little boys you know they need gangs to belong to whether it's uh, the crips and the bloods the boy scouts their uh soccer team their football team um it doesn't matter what it is we all tend to go into a small group 
And that's true. And I think that's one of the parts of America where if we don't have the dialogue or we don't start doing something more to be, we have to understand that like the two examples you gave, the contrast that you gave, Crips and Bloods versus Boy Scouts. Boy Scouts aren't in the neighborhoods that African-Americans are. Unfortunately, Crips and Bloods are. And they should be because there's a lot of churches and most Boy Scout troops are in churches. And there's a lot of black uh, so-called black congregations I think in different areas and and they could be in uh, they could be in the Vietnamese church they could be in well and I think that's that's the things. heart of a big issue that we have as well like as we the conversation as it kind of tells spins into this that is an issue in itself if it doesn't matter what the religion is but I'm going to stick with mine because I can speak on mine. So if we're all Christians, the people who say that they're Christians, why is there a black church? Why is there a white church? Because white people don't like to move when they sing. <laughs> you, you could say, <laughs> but, I mean, you could say, and then it's, it's a comfortable thing. It's like, who do you want to, who do you want to listen to? Who do you want to talk to? Who are you? And it's not about whether that person couldn't be effective in your life, but it's about comfort. It's about not wanting to step outside of our comfort zones. Because for me, I think one of the first times I learned the gospel message as a Christian was when I went to a predominantly Caucasian church. Uh But like you said, on the flip end, (laughs) you stood still. Yeah. (laughs) You know, if if you didn't raise a hand or anything, you know, you didn't Uh clap, you stood still. Or you didn't even sway with the music. Well, most... uh, White churches and music, unless you're in a rock group, rock church, you yeah. know, which I like, but you're, you know, the most you could do would be sway a little bit, and that's not even done. So, yeah. It takes time, I guess. I mean, that, that's the other issue is that how much time it, it's going to take time to build these uh, relationships. And to try these things because they're going to, you know, they may fail at first. People might just be a little bit too uncomfortable. But me and you can talk every week faithfully on this microphone about different issues. But for us to get to a place where we can openly dialogue the way that we are even right now without saying, okay, here's the structure. Just what we're doing right now still took time because we couldn't have done this week one. And we yeah. both have all uh, we both have the personality types to do it, but we there had to be a trusting of one another. Because you could say something and I could tell you like, whoa, let me protect you on this one. <laughs> because mm-hmm. you, you I know your heart, so I now know what you meant by it. <laughs> and so and you could same and vice versa, you know. So yeah. I think it takes for us to know each other's heart, but that takes time. You can't know a person's heart because they say it because Honestly, and all you know, in all honesty, we've lied to each other so long. There needs to be a building of trust. Yeah, you know, and we're t- and I'm talking about from one ethnicity to the next. I'm not talking about uh, just one individual to the next. Mm-hmm. Now it starts with one person to the next. It I get does that. start, they, but there's something about understanding cultures, uh, understanding, appreciating cultures, and not trying to change people right. from their uh, the way they grew up or what is important to them but people are people all over the world and uh, families are important to people 
and relationships are important to people and taking care of their families and nurturing and feeling safe and having enough food to eat. I mean, you know, all those things are important to every single person on the face of the earth. Because the relationships are important, that's the key reason you have to know you can't change an individual. Because you take me for example, it doesn't matter the amount of education that I may have, or if I if I have the capacity to be articulate. If I'm comfortable speaking the way that I speak, because when I speak this way around, you know, around my family, they're comfortable. Mm-hmm. I'm comfortable. We grew up speaking this particular language. I want to welcome you into that language. I don't want to have to feel as though I have to change how I speak. Because guess what? I want to invite you in and make you family. I want you to be just as comfortable with me as I am. And I want to be comfortable with you as you are. I don't need you to start applying the different, you know, like if you say my English is broken, that's fine. I can guarantee you this. I can effectively communicate with both my family and friends. And I can guarantee you, whether you like it or not, my broken English, I could still communicate with, you know, with you on the other side. So at the end of the day, my English is just fine. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just Mm -hmm. so we have to start allowing individuals to still be who they are. Well, then why do you think people are so closed minded about accepting other people? I think because it is uncomfortable and it's a fear of rejection as well. There's always that looming fear of rejection. It's like so. You know, what if they, because once again, it is about conforming and trying to make an individual change. Uh, and it's trust. You have to build trust. And I and I know this makes people uncomfortable to go back to a, go back to the slave card, as people might say. But no, that was a real thing that happened. And that's, a, that's passed down from one generation to the next. Mm-hmm. Being aware of the pains of yesterday's past. I was this way. I was hardworking. I'm this man. I've been this our culture has always represented this. You, it was exploited at one point. There needs to be a trust brought back, even like that. It needs to be earned there, mm-hmm. and because at the end of the day, we're you know a, a generation. Of, I mean, a culture of people are going to be what they are. We're how God made us. We're made of however we are. And I think sometimes it's very uncomfortable and it's scary to trust just based off of images of the past that may not have even happened to you as an individual, but you know your life has been set up as a result of those things. Um, I, you mentioned the word fear, and I think fear has a big part to do with um, why people aren't accepting of other people. Yeah. Afraid. Yeah, people definitely, you know they say people fear what they don't understand. Yeah. And it's like, well, why are you like this? Why are you doing, you know, I would say, we were talking about the presidential candidates earlier. I would say every single time you hear one of the candidates refer to a, a certain ethnic group and put the word the uh-huh. in front of it, that's fear. Uh-huh. That's a lack of understanding. That's that's saying, okay, you know, the blacks, the, the Hispanics, uh-huh. the, you know, the women, whatever it is, it's, you're putting them in this place that you're comfortable putting them. You're visualizing the fact that they're there and you're here because you don't say the Men. In reference to yeah, the exactly white men or the white women, <laughs> <laughs> to be fair. Yeah, <laughs> but, but you don't say the when it's you, when you're included in that group. Yeah, that's you true. say we mm-hmm. or you know what I'm saying or something more general, but you don't say the because the is just is absolutely pushing it away. And individuals, we have to understand that that's what we do, you know, and that the 
So do people need to take offense to the when they have a the in front of whatever the group is? Do, I think, is it that we have to not be offended by that? Well, anymore? I think that's the that's the that's an interesting question because it depends on where you are as a person. Because for me, I pity you, like, and not in a negative way, like I'm going to stay there viewing you as a, a pathetic person. But I, I see that there's work to be done there. I see that you have fear. And see, the character and the makeup of me as a man, I know that if I see someone's in fear, I want to help them. I don't ever want, like, if I saw a child scared because of a dog is mm-hmm. right there, I'm going to hop in the middle. Yeah. If someone's scared, you help them. Mm-hmm. If So if you're using the blacks, you know, someone, if you came to me and said, hey, tell me why the blacks have an issue with this. <laughs> Come here, my poor, stupid little friend. You know, Uh (laughs) because and just you know, I'm joking, but it's sort of like, but that's that's my mission in life, and I think that's what we have to start doing is to start understanding that when we see someone has a difference, we have to bring it. And it's the same thing, you know. There, the confusion and the fear can turn into hatred so quickly, Uh and then that hatred turns into once you recognize someone has gone beyond because the only way they want to grab the authority back is to say okay i'm going to take my fear and i'm going to turn it into anger and now i can control the situation because once you see me angry you're going to be scared of me uh-huh. once you there see you this out of me now now the tables have turned mm. and who's bigger who's bolder who's you know and the the problem with that is when it doesn't really give you much leverage in reality. Now all you've done is even yourself out from an emotional standpoint, but not from a economic or even a social standards, you know, uh, level. You've just even the playing field for, you just went tit for tat with evil for evil opposed to love for love. Well, um, if what we need is to understand or try to seek to understand where the other person's coming from, if we're not taught that, then I mean, I have to teach people that that come into my counseling office, right? To to seek first to understand, and that's not taught in at home because they want to be understood. Everyone wants to be understood first. Uh-huh. Like the whole heart of someone coming in to see you in a lot of cases is not to. It's usually hedonistic. They they really just want you to understand them. Like they want to be able to tell their story, and uh, that's a large part of it. Is true because sometimes people just don't have a way to to talk and tell their story, and um, for someone to understand where they're coming from. And I mean, and I say that from the standpoint of when I go to my therapist, I think to some degree I do say things with the hope you understand what i'm saying like mm-hmm. like i literally have said that to him like yeah hey, you understand mm-hmm. what i'm saying mm-hmm. and that's kind of you know looking for that window mm-hmm. to know that um well I'm to not- go deeper then once someone says yes i'm kind of understanding what you mean but tell me more then that gives the opportunity to dig a little bit deeper and you know not stay on that surface level because i'm trying to understand me yeah yeah at the end of the day i'm just trying you know like so maybe if you could help me navigate by asking key questions like that and so when it comes down to like race relation and the different things that are going on in america i think that's one of the reasons why we have to we're at a point where we need to begin to journey 
with one another. But at the same time, we can't stop the dialogue and say, well, we're here. You know, like one of the things that I, I that gets me all the time is how individuals will say, I don't see race or I don't see color. And it's like, well, well yes, you do. I'm like, well, excuse me. My skin is a different color than yeah. yours. And quite frankly, I think if you took a look at it, you would like it. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, you know, like I. I'm sort of jealous of the skin color that's that kind of the color I like my coffee. Like the, you know, the coffee is black when you really dark brown. <laughs> and then you pour this kind of cream in it and it turns this really pretty, I think one of the prettiest colors. So when there's people that are that color, I'm really attracted to them actually because I think it's a beautiful color. And I think like so the basic Is that wrong to say? I think Is that wrong what I just said? I think there'd probably be some people listening right now that might be offended. Really? Because but I, I think, don't think it's offensive. I think I think it's not I think it's a nice color. I you know, that's why white people like to go tanning, because they like a darker skin color. Why can't they just admit that? That they don't really like that white, white skin color. <laughs> I think it's a beautiful color. I think all the colors of skin are actually really pretty, but I like especially darker skin colors. I, I don't know why, I just do. I think it's very pretty. And so when I see people that are mixed uh, racially, I think that is a beautiful color. Call me crazy. I just, should I not be saying that? No, I'm not saying you shouldn't be saying that. I think, like I said, because at the end of the day, I know you. And if anyone's listening to the show, they know you. They know you're not trying to be derogatory. They know you're not, not ignorant to anything. No, I'm, but I'm, I honestly think so that. So when I say that someone may be angry when they hear that, and this could be on both sides of the board, it yeah. wouldn't matter what race it is. That individual may just be angry with with white people or maybe just angry with women or could just be angry about that concept of, of mixed race or whatever it might be. Well, I guess but I'm just we don't coming... really care if we offend those. No, people. we don't. I, I guess I'm coming from a place of I do uh, enjoy m- meeting people of all uh, ethnicities and cultures and religions and that's just a value I personally have and that's why I like to travel so much and I think when you you know you went to Haiti on a trip right. and uh, probably most of the people you saw there had the same color skin you did uh, well yeah I mean it was the but it was a different culture it was a different culture, and because it was a different, different culture, different from anything you had imagined and grown which, up with. Which goes to show that if if someone says, and I'm not trying to be polit- overly political here, but for example, if Black Lives Matter, then why aren't there a lot more drives right now for Haiti? Because Haiti is being destroyed. So, like, my church goes to Haiti two to three times a year, yeah. and because we go so often. We are getting personal text messages from our friends there, from our church that uh-huh. we, our plant church we have there. So we're getting, we're seeing where we just sent a little girl a pair of shoes. She died. She got the shoes oh, from us on, you know, no. it was like last Friday. She got the shoes oh. and she died in the hurricane last oh. week. So that's real to us yes. because we care about Haiti. Yeah. Now the reality of it is. No one cares in general about this nation. Now, when Paris was bombed and when all these other things have happened, there's been proof that people have always flooded to say, let's help, let's do this. Mm-hmm. This is the second time that Haiti's had a natural disaster. And the first time the earthquake, 
it affected both sides of the island, you know, and it was a well, little bit different. Well, it did. It affected it completely differently yeah. because on the Dominican Republic side, they have different standards of building and their buildings didn't collapse. Yeah. So there's an island that doesn't have to be that divided exactly. that way. It doesn't and have to be that way. So when I, when I was, the original point that I was making, when it comes down to saying Black Lives Matter, are we specifically saying African American Lives Matter? Or are we talking about real Black Lives? Because at this point, from people on the ground in Haiti, what they're telling us is they know it's uh, uh, close to a thousand some odd people. The U.S. is reporting 300 some odd people. Mm. That's too big of a gap. Uh-huh. And I'm choosing to believe the people who are physically there, yeah. who know they can count. You know, like they what do see. you even do with that many people that are dead? When you still haven't really fully, honestly been able to dispose properly of all the ruins from even the earthquake yeah. years ago. Yeah. So if it's we, definitely a disaster yeah. area. It's so a national if, disaster. When I'm talking like, so my soapbox for today is basically, if it's if it really is Black Lives Matter, then we got to help Haiti, you know, because mm-hmm. that's a beautiful country full of nothing but you know majority just african i mean black lives yes so you know and i know that what the movement was created for here in the united states and i'm not trying to poke at the movement because i do love what they're trying to do but the point that i'm getting at is there is always this people fear what they don't understand there's things about mm-hmm. the haitian culture that people are scared of but the truth mm-hmm. of the matter is the debate went on and no one meant the debate was in St. Louis. No one mentioned anything about police uh, violence. Where, and that's where Mike Brown took, you know, the incident where Mike Brown took place. How does that not come up in a in I don't a community? know, except for I think that they have divided. It seems like they've divided the debates into certain topical segments, maybe. Yeah. And that's not that wasn't in that one. But it doesn't seem like yeah. any of these debates are Don't going away. Don't call it a town hall if you're not going to talk about what's going on in that town. Well, that's true. Well, <laughs> <You know>? hardly <laughs> anybody got to answer, ask a question that was there, actually. And so you got that and you got Haiti. Mm-hmm. And not one candidate speaking on it the way, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. on, on such a large platform. And I think at the end of the day, we need to wake up and realize that we do see things differently because I had to follow because I, I put this on Facebook. I slept good and I moved forward the first night after the hurricane hit Haiti. I didn't think anything about it. I just it was just like another disaster. Mm-hmm. And then it just clicked in with me when I woke up in the middle of the night like, whoa. Yeah. And my heart was grieved. But Plus, the point- you had a personal you got this personal connection and you knew people down there that were actually totally impacted by it and so that's one of the reasons that it affected you more we're we've become if we don't start as individuals as we wrap up if we as individuals don't begin to start being more associated with one another and 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 crossing these gender and racial lines we're going to sleep through the night and not everything yeah about Uh everything and not realize this affects someone differently. The relationship that me and you have now, and I'm not saying anything about your character or how it's been, but I can guarantee you this, and I feel good saying this statement. I know you are now more aware of some of the things that take place 
in regards to African-Americans experiencing injustices and different things because of our relationship now. You're more mm-hmm. sensitive to it. Yeah. Not saying that you weren't already sensitive mm-hmm. to certain things, but there's a personal investment there. Yeah. I'm less, because of our relationship, I'm less prone to, and being real, anger that I had that was generally toward all white people because they didn't care. And I can't stand justified. I can't be justified on that when I know you and Mike love me. Mm-hmm. And it ain't just you and Mike. I mean, I have a bunch of friends. That, right. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not yeah. going to be that. Because that always sounds racist when you're like, and I have a white friend. Well, like, I have that, a white friend. You know, I've had but, a black person in my home. <laughs> <laughs> but the point is, is that's how we cross that those barriers. And we begin to heal from certain things. Because like I said, I grew up. And I, like I said... Even though I may have grown up in a city that was majority white, in my neighborhood, it was majority black and Hispanic. And so the people I got a chance to grow love for first and appreciate their culture first, it was just, it was the Hispanics and the blacks. Well, I hope that we've uh, encouraged some thought-provoking questions in our listeners today, and we'd like some uh, feedback on that and uh, give us some feedback on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram and uh, let us know what you think about some of our comments when you agree or don't agree. And um, we'll see you next time on This Life Matters. Thanks for listening.